Well, good morning. Glad you're here with us this morning, and uh, it's really cool over in South. If you haven't been there yet, the old chairs are gone, and they have in South chairs like this with actual legroom. How about that? So they're pretty excited about it. Yeah. yeah. So grateful for that provision. I just want to echo that this last Sunday was such a great joy in celebrating the stories of God's grace and seeing folks uh, indicate their faith in Christ publicly through baptism. So grateful for that. The only way I could add to what was a great Sunday was to show you this picture right here. Because what this represents is uh, one of our commended missionaries, Tim Ullum, who grew up in this church, believed that God had put on his heart that everyone should have opportunity to hear the gospel. So he has gone to Indonesia, lived among a group of people who did not have the scripture in their language, had not heard the gospel, declared the gospel, and folks have responded. And so in the same way that God was working here, God is working there. And these are folks who were baptized in the July River uh, just this summer as well. And so I, I thought, man, this just gives us the even greater picture that we're part of a a global family and sharing in this work. When, when Tim had just sent me an email about this, I was like, well, my son Clayt says to me, without a picture, it didn't really happen. So how about a picture? To which he replied, well, you must tell your son too many fish stories then if <laughs> pictures are required. So he sent me this, and I just want to encourage you. If Christian Family Chapel is your home, then would you find one of our commended missionaries and say, I want to invest in them because I want to share in not only what God is doing in this city, I want to share in what God is doing around the globe because God has blessed us with some folks who are scattered across the globe, sharing the gospel, being a part of what God is doing in building his church. And, and we get to participate in that in this city and participate in it by being senders to those who are commended from this church. So I want to encourage you towards that end. If you would grab your Bibles, please, and turn to First Thess chapter 5. If you're new to the chapel, we have been working through this letter written to the believers there in Thessalonica, and we're in a section in chapter 5 where Paul identifies seven essentials that are crucial for health in a spiritual family. Because the reality is, many families aren't healthy, but God intends them to be healthy. Many churches aren't healthy, but God intends his church to be healthy. And so we have in this passage essentials for how we can be healthy as a church, be in the church as God intends us to be. But before we look at those specific verses, would you take your Bible and with me, uh, grab it and let's declare together as a preparation for our own heart in this Excel Still More series, uh, let's declare this together about the scriptures. This is God's word, his heart revealed. I humbly declare his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I will not lean on my own understanding, but incline my heart now to receive his word so that I may excel still more in filling the earth with his glory by walking in his truth and loving all people as he has loved me. And that's really what these seven essentials are. They're how we love one another so that when we love as we have been loved, then Jacksonville is filled more with the glory of God. We're going to see some things today that we're doing well in. And I want to remind us, we can even excel still more. That's the point of this passage. So the seven essentials, real quickly, by way of review. First, he said, you need to have roles. There's the, the elders who are the spiritual leaders, shepherds, protectors, who are in charge over the flock under the chief shepherd. And you need to have a congregation who will play their role of valuing, respecting, submitting, and obeying to those spiritual leaders. When you don't have people in roles fulfilling their roles, you don't have health, just like the marriage. 
then we need peace. Peace. Because every single believer has what we described as that little two-year-old in them that is demanding, that wants their own way. And when the two-year-old in me demands my way and the two-year-old in you demands your way, it's not pretty. It's not peace. If we're going to have peace in the church, there must be a commitment. I'm going to die to my desires. And when you die to your desires, then we have peace. hope that's changing your home as it has our church. Then we looked at verse 14. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly. Those who are spiritually rebellious, those who are living in clear disobedience to the word of God, what do they need? They need admonishment. They need someone to speak the truth to them. Listen, CFC, we're not, we're not a healthy church when spiritually rebellious people are ignored. Paul says this, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Sin has to be lovingly, courageously confronted. It needs to be admonished that there would be repentance and holiness restored in the church. Admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted. These are spiritually rebellious. These are spiritually weak, faint-hearted, little soul, literally. They don't need admonishment. They need encouragement. The word, two parts, presence and truth. They need someone to come alongside them, to share with them, and to give them a reminder God loves you, God is with you, God is for you, and he is working for your good. Encourage the faint-hearted. And now this morning, three simple words, help the weak. What's he mean? Well, spiritually rebellious, spiritually weak. I think here he's talking about those who are physically weak in your body. What do they need? They need help. Very practically, those who are weak, and I think he's speaking physically here because we've already addressed how to help the spiritually weak. The physically weak in our body need help because when a church doesn't help the weak, it doesn't reflect Christ because you cannot read the Gospels and conclude that Jesus didn't help weak people. That's what marked his life. So if we're going to be the body of Christ, then these three words, help the weak, needs to be lived out in our lives individually and as a congregation. So when he says physically help the weak, we're going to look at four categories of weak that we as believers ought to give help to. First, help the orphan. Help the orphan. Scripture speaks plainly in this way. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans. Now, we'll look at widows in a moment, but stop there. To visit orphans. Now, it's not a visitation ministry. What do orphans need? Yeah, they need a home and they need a family. That's what an orphan needs. So, If we're going to help the weak, those who cannot on their own have a family or home, then we need to help orphans. Here's the challenge with helping orphans. It comes at great cost. I'll tell you my own family story as an illustration. In 1989, when I started here at the chapel, just before... Uh, our oldest son, Clayt, was born. My mom turned 50. I'm the youngest of four children. We were all married now, and we were all beginning to have children. So she was turned 50, and she had seven grandchildren now. Just at that point where you would think, wow, she's settling into the, the joy of being able to no longer parent, just grandparent. Except in the late 80s, HIV epidemic, AIDS, was hitting our country and causing a tremendous amount of fear. There was no understanding of how it was being translated. And what was happening at that time is if a woman who was pregnant and was HIV positive 
every child she would give birth to would be HIV positive at birth. And people didn't want their children if they were HIV positive at birth. And so there were all these unwanted children. And instead of stepping into the pleasure and the joy of parenting, my mom said, I'll take them. And she started fostering little babies that were born HIV positive. What we began to realize was that by age two, a child can develop their own antibodies. And some would continue to remain testing positive for HIV, and some would develop their own and no longer be HIV positive, to which oftentimes families would literally step back in and say, okay, we'll take our children now again. And so she had fostered a number of children who then, after two years, would give them back. But she also had those who continued to test positive. So she went from fostering to beginning to adopt. And so I ended up with four sisters who are HIV positive. And they told my mom, uh, they might live till five. And then they did. And they said, well, maybe seven. And they did. And they said, well, maybe nine. And they did. And so they said, we don't know. <laughs> and really, that's, they didn't know. It was just unfolding. So three of the four are still living. From 50 years old to 70 years old, my mom raised a whole other generation of four girls. One of those girls died when she was 27. But she had had a little girl, and so my mom adopted her, and from 70 to 80 has been raising now a third generation. Now, when I think about that, we have often recognized my mom literally gave up grandparenting for the sake of raising two more generations. And you can, I've honestly thought, Mom, you're, you're crazy. But actually, the scripture calls it pure and undefiled religion. So, for those of you who in this congregation have said, I'm going to visit orphans. I'm going to foster. I'm going to give a home and a family to the children who don't have a home or a family. I don't call you crazy. I say, way to go. We are being what God intended us to be when we visit orphans. But recognize it takes great sacrifice to do what those who foster and adopt do. Help the unborn. Proverbs, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all the unfortunate. The NIV says it this way, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. And there's no group of people, and the unborn are people, there's no group of people that can not speak for themselves more than the unborn. And so I want to say clearly, CFC, not politically, biblically, we are pro-life. That's not, a, that's not a policy, that's not a political statement, that's not a party statement, that is a biblical statement. We are pro-life and understand, church, being pro-life means far more than being anti-abortion. Being pro-life means that we are prepared to invest our resources and our time and our energy to give options to people who feel like they have no options. That's what being pro-life really is about. And so one of my greatest joys is that from its founding, First Coast Women's Service is a ministry that serves the unborn, those who don't have a voice for themselves. That ministry from its start has been an overflow of Christian Family Chapel and continues to be so much a ministry of this church 
way beyond this church. Don't misunderstand. Way beyond CFC. But for those of you who serve First Coast Women's Services, who give to a crisis pregnancy center to help those who cannot help themselves in that regard, I honor and I say to CFC, let's excel still more in helping the widow, excuse me, helping the orphan and helping the unborn. Help the poor. Help the weak is to help the poor. If you're not sure what God thinks about the poor, then listen to this. He who oppresses the poor taunts his maker. So when we oppress the poor, we taunt God. But he who is gracious to the needy honors him. Honor the Lord by being gracious and helpful to the poor. One who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord because we know the Lord needs a loan. Now, does he need a loan? No. It's simply saying when we give to the poor, we are giving to, we're giving to the Lord. And you know what he does when we give to the poor by giving, giving to him by giving to the poor? And he will repay him for his good deed. I, I genuinely believe that when you say, God, you've given me resources, and I'm going to invest in caring for the poor because you're on the side of the poor that he gives seed to sowers, not for their benefit, but for the benefit of those that you will sow into. That's a loan to the Lord, and he's good with his loans. He who is generous will be blessed, for he gives some of his food to the poor. We encourage generosity. I wonder if your generosity includes the poor. If not, excel still more. Let our generosity include the poor. Here's why. Whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how's the love of God abide in him? That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? In other words, it doesn't make any sense, Christian Family Chapel, to say we are Christians, that we love God, but don't help the poor. You have an open heart to God, you're going to have an open heart. Well, let me say it this way. If you have an open heart to God, you're going to have an open hand to the poor. That's what adds up. So uh, I want to give a thanks again in this area. One of the great works of God in 2019 has been the opportunity that we have had to be able to help the needy in our community. And it started because of a great work of God last year. Some of you who were here in December of 2018 will remember this word that we made up, ready the being ready to be generous because lots of folks want to be generous. They're just not ready. They haven't planned. And so they want to do something they can't do because not readiness. So readiosity, being ready to be generous. And our plan simply was this, that in December, we would say, Lord, to be ready in 2019 to meet the needs of this community, we're going to ask you, how can we be generous so we'll be ready? And we put a Christmas tree in our courtyard for Christmas time and said, you pray, you ask the Lord, and however he prompts you, just put an envelope on our readiosity tree, and we'll see what the Lord gives us opportunity to do in 2019. And maybe you remember this, almost $65,000 was placed in that tree in December, and it has been such a gift this year to be able to, in all sorts of circumstances, do exactly what the scripture says. To be able to honor our maker, not taunt him, honor him by investing in those who have needs. So here's a, an update. Almost 65,000 is what we started with. We've given almost 38,000 of it away. But very specifically, to provide folks with shelter, medical, transportation, food, and some very specific needs for, for some single moms. 
I am so grateful, Christian Family Chapel, for every single one of you who put an envelope or, or made a donation to that radiosity. This has been the opportunity to be Christ in this community. So big thanks. I don't know. Maybe we'll do it again. Well, actually, I wouldn't take in a vote, but thanks for the uh, input. (laughs) But I do think that that would be maybe another way we would, again, the Lord using this body. So, so good to be able to meet real needs. Because what did we say? We can't have an open heart to God and a closed hand to the poor. An open heart here is an open hand here. Help the need, help the elderly. James one twenty seven, pure and undefiled religion, visit orphans and widows in their time of need. I've expanded to say elderly, and I'll explain in a moment. But I want you to know that the scripture speaks very specifically to this in ways that that I didn't know until I came to this church. 1 Timothy 5, I want you to understand. 1 Timothy 5 says this, honor widows who are widows indeed. That's kind of a unique expression. Who's a widow indeed? Here's, Here's the difference between a widow and a widow indeed. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. So a widow indeed is someone who doesn't have children or grandchildren because that widow should be cared for by whom? Their family, yes. I'm super grateful that my oldest son, Clay, is in the service this morning. Because, Clay, you need to hear this as everybody else listens in. You are first in line when this body runs out and my grease is first in line. You got me. All right. That's what I'm counting on. That is so clear. You know, I didn't know that the scripture taught that. I was a school teacher here in town attending this church and I heard the pastor at that time teach this. I was like, how did I not know that? And here's the strength of it. If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So I don't know your family dynamic. As parents and grandparents... As the Lord allows, we get to invest in our kids and our grandkids. But what the scripture is saying is that comes around. And those grandchildren and children get to then provide for those who need help. That we have to excel still more in. So if you have parents growing older, you should be preparing yourself to honor God in this way. I am really glad that the Lord put us here because we had no idea that within just a few years of after learning this truth, Jackie's, my wife's father would die and we would have responsibility. She's one of six, but we would have responsibility for making sure that from then until her mom got into her 90s that we would be prepared to help provide for her. I am grateful for this. And I hope you will honor the Lord in this. In Acts, when the early church is starting, the first kind of corporate ugliness we learn about is that there is an accusation of favoritism where some widows are not being provided for like other widows are. And the apostles say, this has to stop. When the church does not provide for its own, it's a stain on the name of Jesus. It's a stain on the church. Three simple words. Help the weak. Help the weak. 
the weak who are orphans, the weak who are unborn, the weak who don't have financial resources, and the weak who are elderly. That's what we do. And when we don't do it, we don't look like the church intends to be. So let me invite you to grab this little flyer that was in your bulletin. If you open it up, one open, open the, the front, you'll see then on the right side, helping others. And it's simply organized the way we just talked about, assisting the unborn, assisting orphans, assisting elderly, assisting those in need, assisting the unemployed or the underemployed, assisting again the elderly. These are practical ways that you can help the weak. So... It's risky to give you, and I'm inviting you to read something right now. (laughs) Can I ask you to look up here for a moment, please? (laughs) I put it in your hands, and I drew attention to it, because I don't just want us to think thoughts in a worship service. I hope that your seeing this will result in, in taking a step in some way in helping the weak. When my wife's mom got to the point where we had to take her license away, it's always that hard moment, but there was a couple instances like, you know, she left the gas station a mile down the road and the hose was still in the car. So I was like, okay, we got to, funny but not funny, Um, we got to take the license. But, you know, then it's like, how does she get out? How does she get food? And we're 300 miles away. How do you manage that? And gratefully, we had a a neighbor step in, lifelong friend step in and say, hey, I can help. What happened, though, and this is what I want you to hear, What happened in my wife's heart was that she realized she was so grateful for this neighbor who was helping her mom that she thought about the woman diagonal from us who didn't come from our country and whose husband had died and she couldn't drive. And so seeing the gift that she was receiving 300 miles away, she said, hey, Maria, I'll take you out once a week so that you can get out of the house. And and so she'd take Maria to Publix, you know, and it's, (laughs) can I just get the stuff? (laughs) But it was, see, it was more than grocery shopping. It was the chance to get out. It was the chance for relationships. And what I hope you'll hear in that is, you know, be laser focused. Don't forget your family. But understand, there may be people doing for your family what you can't because of distance that you could then do for some other family who can't because of distance. You see what I'm saying? I don't know who God has put in your life or who God has put in your neighborhood or who God has put in your, but that there might be an opportunity for you to care for an elderly person in a very practical way. That is the heart of Christ. So let's not just be moved by thoughts. Let's take some action and be the church. Truth in telling right now, it'll cost you. I'm not trying to sell you something that won't cost you. It will require sacrifice, So I'm going to make a very intentional shift now in focus from help the weak to, watch this, to become spiritually strong. Because if we're going to do what Christ has called us to do, then we're going to have to become people who are willing to sacrifice like he was willing to sacrifice. You follow what I'm saying? See, apart from becoming like Jesus, what we all want is, how can I help without really costing me anything? 
I can still keep my schedule and still keep my money and still keep my freedom, but kind of help. It makes me feel good, but it doesn't cost me anything. But we will not fulfill what Christ has called us to do unless we become like him who said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve, to lay my life down, to serve like Jesus, to help the weak, which is what he did. We have to become like him. So turn with me from 1 Thess 5, help the weak, to Ephesians 4, becoming like Jesus. This passage, central to our thinking of how we function as a church, and there's some super important points in here I don't want you to miss because it's easy to do church different than the way Ephesians 4 describes it. Here's how he describes the church. He says, he, Jesus, the head, he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. So he gave some people some of these gifts, but don't miss why he gave some people some of these gifts. Next verse. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. Did you catch that? He didn't give those people those gifts so that they would do the work of service. He gave those people those gifts so that they would equip the saints who would do the work of service. In other words, church is never intended to be a spectating place. The way God intended the church was that we would all be participants, that there would be some who their role would be to equip the saints, and then the saints would do the work of service. Do you see it? It's easy to come to church and think we're just spectating here. We're like an NFL game, a bunch of people watching a few people do the activity. That's not who we are. We're all together doing our part. Why? until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's a whole bunch of words that says this, that my role and others with that gift are intended to equip you until you are like, like Christ fully. Anybody there yet? All right, so then I'm not done, right? Because the grow is to equip you so that you can do the work until we all, all of us, are like Jesus fully. Because none of us are there, including the teaching pastor, by a long shot, we need to keep growing. We need to keep on growing. It's easy to go through growth spurts and then get stagnant. In fact, sometimes when we get old, older, I won't call you old, older, when we get older, we become less growing. Growing's for young people. I want to have a growing heart. I want all of us to keep on growing. We know we're not to the fullness of Christ. So let's keep growing. But that's the goal. The fullness of Christ. Now don't miss it. The fullness of Christ so that what? So that we would understand our lives are not our own we are spiritually strong in order to do what? Three words? Help the weak. See, it's an overflow. Helping the weak is an overflow of growing in maturity in Christ. The more we grow, the more we're like Jesus, the more we'll help the weak. Not the greater distance from them, the more we'll help them. So let's keep growing spiritually to be more like Christ so that we won't shrink back from helping the weak. And here's how we grow. 
As a result, we're, not long, we're no longer to be children. See, we all start as infants in Christ, but none of us are intended to remain infants. We're to, to grow up. Children get pushed around, knocked around. They're unsteady. We're to grow up, steady, established. Uh, no longer children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. Don't give in to things that kids give into, but speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So grow in fullness of him so that we won't shrink back from what three words? Help the weak. How are we going to grow? Speaking the truth in love. Begins with commitment to the word of God. Nobody grows apart from the word of God. It's, it's why I want to say again, I am grateful that you're here this morning to receive. Not just here, but to receive the word of God. Because the word of God will change us. The word of God will grow us up. That's why it's vital, not only in what we do here, first priority, the worship service, to receive the word of God, but why we have what we call equipping classes and growth groups, places where the word of God would interact with your life so that you would grow into Christ-likeness. I want to just encourage you with this story of of two folks, two ladies on different sides of the table as you're here, as they grow in Christ through the word of God. So thankful God led me to this church. He sees the CFC leaders and their teachings in my life in tremendous ways. A couple of years ago, I signed my sons up for the Truth Quest program. I looked into the equipping classes just to pass the time while they were in their program. I took the scriptural staff for your soul class, and that for me was much more than a time filler. My name is Karen Fouché, and I had the privilege of being one of the scriptural staff leaders in Tracy's class. When I first met Tracy, it was obvious she was a hard worker who loved her job and adored her children, but she also seemed somewhat weary and sad. I went through a divorce six years ago, and during that time, I was quick to tell anyone all the things he did wrong in our marriage. I got to see firsthand how she was transformed by the Lord. Her countenance began to change from hopelessness to radiance as she grew in Christ-likeness. When God suddenly revealed my heart to me, it was like this light bulb came on and all I could see was how selfish I was in the marriage. I saw how I manipulated to get my way. I saw all the times I was so unkind. It broke my heart to the point that I had to sit down and write my ex-husband a letter telling him all of this. He's heard me tell him his faults more than I can count, but this time I wanted him to hear me say everything I did wrong. During the course of this class, I totaled my car. I went through two job losses within two months. Tracy, one year ago, would have completely unraveled and shut down. But after taking this class and applying what I've learned, the Lord gave me such an amazing peace through it all. She's a shining example of the mission of Scriptural Sab and really all of our adult growth opportunities. The function of the adult growth groups and classes are to create an environment where we delve deeper into our personal situations to train, exhort, and encourage us towards deeper sanctification. Being in a small group allowed me to have deep, meaningful discussions about God and the Bible. It's fellowship that I didn't realize I needed. I truly understood for the first time when it, what it meant to come to the end of myself. I learned to let go of things I was never meant to carry beyond the cross. I spent many years at the table because I felt that I had so much to learn and nothing worthwhile to give. But the Lord doesn't expect us to be perfect and to know it all, just willing to be used by Him in His perfect plan for our lives. God showed us all we are not alone. We are all struggling. It created a bond and I have made friends that I know I will have for the rest of my life. If you are not in a growth group or class, I greatly encourage you to join one this fall and watch how God will grow you and give you new friends in Christ. Being a leader of a growth group or class means being someone willing to love and walk alongside others as we grow to become more like Jesus together. I would ask that each of you prayerfully consider if the Lord is calling you to the stove of disciple making by becoming a equipping class or group leader. It will change your life. 
What I love about Tracy's story is, I don't know if you picked this up or not, but she said, during my time, all these things happened. She said a year earlier, she would have come, did you hear it? I had to come unraveled. But, and catch this, the word of God had prepared her for what she had no idea was coming. We're often reactive. We wait till our life comes apart, and then we're like, God, help me. What if, what if instead we said, we're going to be proactive, believing that the word of God will prepare me for whatever life will bring, whatever hardships will bring, that the word of God will prepare me. Prepare me for my marriage. Prepare me for whatever happens with my kids or with my grandkids. Prepare me for whatever happens with my health. The word of God will prepare. These are equipping classes that are listed in here and the folks that are out in the courtyard. I hope you'll stop by and, and see and talk to them. It's just not another thing to do. That's what it can feel like. Oh, man, there's another thing to do. It's not another thing to do. It's about being prepared, and don't miss this. What else does the Word of God do? It not only prepares us, it it does repair us. See, Tracy's story was in that one equipping class, she was both prepared and repaired. That's the power of the Word of God. And that's, as you look through the classes that we'll have this fall, you'll see some that are very specific for preparing and some that are very specific for repairing. Give. Give up something lesser so that you can give your time to something greater. Notice it wasn't just in the context of the Word of God. It was also in the context of authentic relationships. She wasn't just by herself watching a video series. She was engaged relationally with other sisters in Christ. So we have co-ed groups, family groups. We have gender-specific groups that help in specific areas, but we're made to be in relationship with one another. Uh, You've heard me say this a jillion times. I just can't tell you enough. You're missing out what God intends if all you ever do is come to a service. Because you're just not going to cultivate relationship by coming to a service. Yes, you will be equipped in the word of God. And yes, you'll be able to engage in corporate worship. But there is an authentic relationship for which we were made for that can't happen in a service like this. When the church was beginning in the book of Acts, it says they gathered together regularly. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the teaching of the word of God, and to fellowship to prayer, to breaking bread from house to house with gladness and sincerity of heart. See, there was relationship, folks. It's part of how we become like Jesus so that we will be spiritually strong for what three words? Help the weak. Spiritually strong so we can help the weak. But there's one last This is what Karen, the other individual, the leader in scriptural Sabbath was trying to say from 416 of Ephesians, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body. So guess what? (laughs) Yes, we need the word of God and yes, we need relationships in order to grow, but you know what else we need? We need to recognize we're, we're a joint in the body. We're an individual part in the body. And part of growing is doing our part. If you've ever gotten on the other side of the table from just receiving, you know what you'll learn? That in giving, in helping, you'll learn stuff that you could have never learned by simply the receiving side. You know what can happen? 
Here's what happens often in the church. Give me another study. I need another Bible study. How about another study? How about more, more, meeting more studies? You know what? There's only so much you can learn in that environment. You want to keep growing? Get on the other side and start giving according to the way God has uniquely made you. And you will discover a relationship with God and a growing in Christ-likeness that could never be achieved on only the receiving end. Is that you this morning? Are you only on the receiving end? You're stunting your growth. Growth requires receiving and giving. So, how might you not only continue to grow by the word of God, but how might you begin to invest in others so that you might grow in Christ and growing in Christ, you'd be spiritually strong to help the weak. Here's the danger. When I show you something like this, we have all those folks out in the courtyard You look at it and you go, well, I can't do all this. That's right. Actually, we don't want you to do all this. You can't do all this. We want you to simply say, where am I going to connect with the word of God and some people to grow? And how might I begin to serve as God has uniquely made me so I can grow? I can't do it all. I agree. We don't want you to do it all. Do you understand this? There were people in a town who said, Jesus, you can't leave. We need you to stay here and do more stuff. And you know what he said? I can't. Got to go. Jesus actually disappointed. What? You're leaving? Uh Uh-huh. Gal, after second hour, said, I'm trying to help people, but man, they're just like nonstop. Am I being selfish when I say no? What's the answer to that? (laughs) The answer to that was, I don't know. Maybe you are. But if you think if any time you say no, you're being selfish, that's not true. And I told her about Jesus. Jesus said no to people who wanted some stuff. And he said, no, I got to go. The point is this, it'll always require some sacrifice, but you got to listen to the Lord. Say, so Lord, what do you want me to do? This may help you. Sometimes when we see all the poor, we think, ah, oh, I can't make a difference. We see all the orphans, we go, I can't make a difference. Here's something Andy Stanley said that might help you. He said, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Just learn to do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Instead of going, well, if I can't do it for everybody, I won't do it for anybody. Because that's where we get trapped. No, you can't solve poverty. Do for one. No, you're not going to empty the orphanages. Do for one. You can't meet all the needs on the needs board. Pick one. You see what I'm saying? We have an aging society. Help one. And in the process of helping the weak, you end up will growing spiritually strong. To be spiritually strong so you can help the weak, you grow spiritually strong. So I hope you'll you'll pick one. But I know we're not done because you still have a blank and you hate me when I don't give your final blank. (laughs) I've said it multiple times, but here's how you can write it down. How do we grow? We grow through the word of God, authentic relationships, and serving. 
And just think, how has God uniquely made you? How has God uniquely gifted you? Because when you can zone in on that and then begin to function in that way, you are a tremendous gift to people. That's the beauty of the body of Christ is that we're different. And I look around here and I know so many of you and I know how uniquely different we are. And, and that's good. If we'll serve according to how God has made us. Because I can't do what you do and you can't do what I do. But if you will do what God has made you to do, growing in the word of God and relationship and serving, the weak will be helped and the name of Jesus will be made great because that's the church being the church as God intended. That's healthy church. Help the weak. So Father, I pray that your spirit will have moved really in every single one of your children's hearts, that there would be a responsiveness to, to grow in order to help. And Lord, that you would be glorified because of it. And our joy, by faith, we believe, would be made full in becoming like you. Thank you in Christ's name. Let's stand together. As we stand, uh, let me declare to you again, as if for the first time, just hear the power of this. I'm going to declare to you verse 23, and you declare to one another out loud, verse 24 first. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. May your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. will. He who began a good work in you will complete it in the day of Jesus Christ. God bless.